0: Let us pray together. Speak to us, gracious God, that we may see Jesus. May your Spirit assure us that he is risen and grant us faith in all your promises for us and for others too. Amen. Well, what a day today is. And in this service, we recall and we celebrate the unique events which founded the Christian faith. Easter Day has to be the church's greatest festival. Today turns every Sunday into a resurrection day. It transforms the tragedy of Jesus' death on the cross into a triumph. It changes everything. No wonder St. Paul was so concerned to hear that some believers in Corinth were questioning the resurrection of the dead. It leads him to spell out the gospel message. He writes these words For what I received, I passed on to you of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. For Paul, Jesus' death and resurrection fulfills the Jewish hope of a Messiah. He believed the cross and the empty tomb were central to this. Why was this so crucial for him? Well, Paul, who'd persecuted Jesus' followers, met the risen Jesus on the road to Damascus. By God's grace, that encounter changed everything for him. It converted him from persecuting to preaching. And Paul also tells us that Jesus appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then to more than five hundred, then to James, then to the apostles, and last of all, to him. Jesus' resurrection was life-changing. It was society-changing. It was world-changing. And that's why he makes it absolutely clear in verse 13 and following, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ was raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is our faith. So Paul was explaining that believers would also be resurrected. He was going against what they were saying in Corinth. And this was clearly the upshot of the resurrection of Jesus. For the Lord had defeated the feared enemy of death, Eternal life was possible. And that's why he declares, saying, What is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The resurrection was and is tremendously good news now and for the future as well. So here's the question why do christians keep quiet about it why are we so often fearful and reticent about it hold on to that thought just for a moment this afternoon the boat races will take place uh, the two great uh, the two hor- the two horse battle between oxford and cambridge and this year the battle will be, with, be without crowds in the Thames. You see, it's been moved to Cambridgeshire just to keep the people away. And who will win this 166th men's boat race? Well, the tally so far is Cambridge 84. I'm a Cambridge supporter myself. Oxford 80. But it's very, very close, isn't it? And there was one dead heat in 1877, apparently, just in case you're wondering why the maths doesn't add up. Now imagine, if you will, a boat race. Two boats, one called fear and the other called faith. A head-to-head battle, never sure which one will win. You see, I think that's a kind of battle that goes on inside of many Christians. On a good day, we're sailing with faith. On another, we jump ship, as it were, into fear. Now, Paul believed ultimately faith will triumph. Faith in the resurrection, after all, perfect love, he says, casts out all fear. It's interesting, isn't it, that the gospel writers give different accounts of the resurrection, but Mark's gospel ends on this fearful note. I think it adds credibility, actually, that uh, if you go to a football match, for example, uh, Fulham versus Aston Villa this afternoon, uh, you'd get a very different account of the match depending on who you support. What's more, the accounts from each supporter's side will be different. Uh, I will vary from another Fulham football supporter uh, as I tell the story of the match depending on where you're sitting, your own slant on the game. And so it is with the Gospel accounts. Each is telling it from their perspective. But Mark's Gospel, although it begins by heralding the Son of God, Jesus, after the drama of his death, it ends much more quietly. Fear seems to have got a grip. Where's the victory? in the gospel. Where's the good news? By the early second century Mark's account was considered to be lacking and so many scribed added extra verses. They thought it must have ended differently to that and if you see in the footnotes of your Bible there are some extra verses that have been added subsequently. But scholars have speculated about this. Had the last page of the manuscript become detached? Was Mark prevented from finishing his gospel, perhaps because of persecution? Or was his secrecy intended? Was that end intended, as he wrote? After all, the resurrection is a miraculous mystery. Well, whatever reason, we don't know. Mark's account isn't straightforward, and it's not so assured as some of the other gospels. It describes the appearance of a man in white, an angel possibly, but not the risen Jesus himself. The women feature very prominently. They were with Jesus at his crucifixion. They saw him taken down from the cross and laid in the tomb. And then Mark features them visiting early on that day of resurrection. But where are the men? Disillusion, perhaps, or in disarray, not mentioned. Yet these women, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they could anoint the body of Jesus. Were they prepared for that moment in contrast to the men? Perhaps they'd listened to Jesus who said he would die before he would rise. Clearly they weren't afraid of death itself. Yet they seem to be fearful of the resurrection. I know it was early, but there's another question about this story. (laughs) They ask, who will roll the stone away? Well, you would have thought they would have thought about that before they set off. Uh, they, They kind of think about it on the way, en route. And it's when they look up that they discover that the stone had already been moved and the tomb is empty. They had gone to anoint their king but the story ended differently, perhaps, to how they were expecting. The man in the white robe says, do not be alarmed. But they were alarmed. The man, the angel, says, the one who was crucified is risen. He is not here. <laughs> so they're told to go and tell the disciples and Peter and he's, that he's going ahead of you into Galilee, and you will see him just as he told you. What wonderful news that was. But in Mark's gospel, it's not like that uh, illustration we had at the beginning of the service of people getting excited by the news that came on the mobile phone, not that they had mobile phones. Here, the women were trembling and bewildered, and they fled. What's more, it says, they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. They were confounded by Jesus' resurrection. Too good to be true. Or did the shock reduce them to silence? We don't know. We assume that they did eventually pass on the message as we read the other Gospels, but for whatever reason, Mark has them here holding a secret, not ever saying that they had seen the risen Christ. Yes, Mark's empty tomb is unambiguous, but we only understand its meaning when we read the other Gospels and the other resurrection appearances in the Bible. So what do we make of all this? Well, I want to ask you, why do you keep it a secret? This joy of the resurrection? It's a mystery. You should be telling everyone. Perhaps Mark presumed those reading his words would know something of the other accounts we don't know. Perhaps we presume someone else will tell the story. Or maybe his account rings true with how often we feel. That fear and faith battle inside us. Now, fear isn't a bad thing, but it's so easy to let hopelessness and fear overwhelm us, particularly in these days that we're living in, that are full of fear. Hope and promise are sometimes harder to bear than fear and despair. Perhaps fear has become a familiar friend to us, and faith is strange to us, though essential. But though through the ages, Christians have declared on Easter Day, he is risen. And like Paul, they've testified to that being true and the beginning that it enables for us. Today we celebrate the resurrection, remembering that he is not here. But how now will you respond? Fear or faith? You see, I think we can respond to fear in different ways. If you spell out fear, it can be forget everything and run, (laughs) or it can be face everything and rise. And there's a conscious decision I think we have to make on Easter Day is to say, do we really believe this? And if we do, take that conscious decision that can be a liberating thing for us for others and for our world. It's as though we have to uninstall the natural fear that possesses us and rather download the spirit of truth and hope. Paul in his first letter to Timothy said, For the spirit that God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love and self-discipline, so not to be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord remember that boat race. I believe when we experience the two-horse boat race battle within us between fear and faith, we need to pray that the Lord will give us the gift of faith and not give in to fear. For the message of Easter calls us to faith over fear. I don't think it's without reason that the words, do not fear, appear 365 times in the Bible, one for every day of the year. Perhaps we're being called to raise a hallelujah. I pray that we will rediscover our confidence as Christians. Our weapon against sin, darkness, despair, hopelessness, a lack of peace, injustice, is to actually let the melody of praise and faith well up within us, that we are determined to make a difference in the world. And I call you today to go and be that difference so that the resurrection can change anything, not just with your words, but with your lives. In humility, claim the promise and share the good news with others, because they may be waiting to hear. Amen.